Good morning, church family. I'm glad that we are here together, glad that we can worship God. It is good for you to be here, for us to be here. I know we have a lot of folks that are at various places. Uh, Our youth group has got about 25 or 30. Uh, They're over at Evangelism University this weekend. They've been learning. Think about this. Our teenagers have been learning about how to evangelize to the lost. Praise God for that. Praise God for that opportunity for them to go and uh, pray for Topher and the other adults that are leading them. We are thankful uh, for that opportunity. I know we have some folks that are online worshiping with us, and we are certainly thankful uh, that you're worshiping with us and hope you can be back with us again in person very soon. I know that not, not everybody's excited about the snow, but I've got two young kids and we're excited about the snow and I hope it snows afoot uh, and I hope everybody's safe at the same time. Uh, so uh, this morning we're continuing our series on the way. This is our theme for this year. We want to be a part of the way. We want to walk the way. Jesus is the way and we as Christians are those who belong to the way. I want you to go back with me, if you will, to a time before cell phones. Time before smartphones, let me say it that way. There were probably cell phones. Go back to a time before uh, GPS in your fo- in your car, uh, before you had that the big clunky thing that you would put up on your uh, windshield or something like that. That would, in theory, sometimes if the maps were updated, would show you the right way. I want you to go back in the time that, that those of a certain age have absolutely no remembrance of. A time when you were taking a trip, a family vacation, uh, a business trip, and you had to use a paper map. Uh, some of you remember that fondly, and they know exactly what I'm talking about, and some of you have no idea, and you've never even seen one of these things before, all right? You just know that when mom and dad want to go somewhere, they say, hey, Google, take me to this place, or hey, Siri, take me to this place, right? Uh, a paper map, and you can imagine, and maybe you have memories of your parents as they're driving down the road, maybe your mom or dad as they're driving, trying to drive and look at the map at the same time, and you think cell phones are distracting. Imagine how difficult something like that was. When we think about belonging to the way, if we want to be in the way, we need to be shown what the way looks like. We need a map. Now, this is a map of Tennessee. I had to go to Walmart and find this. I wasn't even sure if they would have it. Uh, And I asked a lady, and she was of an appropriate age to remember such things. Uh, So she pointed me in the right direction, and and thankfully they had maps. And this is a map of, like I said, I think Tennessee. Uh, But imagine that you're going to a, a big city. And you're visiting uh, maybe a, a city like Chicago and maybe you've never been before and, and you want to go downtown Chicago and you're looking for you know, a certain place, wherever you're going for whatever reason you might be going there. And you've got a, a street map of Chicago. But let's pretend in your street map of Chicago, there's been a printing error and it says Chicago and on the front cover it said downtown Chicago map. But in reality, it's a, a printing of the map of downtown Detroit. And you're trying to get somewhere in Chicago, but you have a map that says it's Chicago. You think it's the right map, but it's actually a map of Detroit. And maybe you're going to a place on Broad Street. You know, most cities have a a street called Broad Street or, or Main Street or First or Second Avenue or something like that. One of those, one of those names of the roads that just about every town and every big city has one. Can you imagine? The frustration of trying to be in Chicago, thinking you have the right map, but you have a map for Detroit rather than Chicago. Maybe you would say, or maybe if you were with someone, maybe your spouse would say to you, I don't know if you've ever had problems traveling with your spouse and making sure you get to the right place. No one ever has that problem, I'm sure. Uh, but imagine that they say, well, we just need to, we need to work on our behavior. We need, we just need to, to change some things. We, you know, I think, I think if we will just, uh, if we'll just take the time and, and, uh, and, and we'll try harder, you know, hey, pay more attention to the map. 
as you're walking down these streets and make sure that we, we take the, the right street or, or maybe, hey, be, be more diligent. Really, really pay close attention to it. Or, uh, hey, hey, we're late. We need to move faster. Look at the map and figure it out and let's go. Now, I know nobody's ever been frustrated like that when you've been traveling with your family. But if you move faster, you know what's going to happen if you're in Chicago and you're using a map for Detroit. You're just going to get to the wrong place faster. That's all that's going to happen. Well, well, maybe someone would say, maybe your spouse would say, maybe a, uh, your business partner that's traveling along with you would say, hey, well, we just, uh, we just need to have a better attitude, okay? You, you, you know, I know you're frustrated right now, but let's try and be more positive, you know, because positivity, that makes, that makes a difference. You know what's going to happen if you're in Chicago and you're using a map for Detroit, but you have a better attitude? You're going to get to the wrong place, but you'll be in a better mood. And that's all that's going to happen. You'll, you'll learn ultimately that having the wrong map is what? It's useless. It's useless. And if you and I, I'm tempted to try and to fold, fold this thing, but it's going to be just a joke. I'm just going to sit it down over here, okay? There we go. We'll get that later. If you want to go in the way, we need a map. We need to be shown what does it look like to walk in the way. If Jesus is the way and we want to be his followers as Christians, well, what does that look like? We need to be shown how to do that. In Matthew chapter 5, if you're not already turned there, go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 5, if you're using one of our pew Bibles, that starts on page 809. 809 in our pew Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus begins with the Beatitudes. Jesus begins with the Beatitudes. And, and you've, you've heard about and thought about the Beatitudes so many times. And, and you know, it, it, says, it says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we'll, we'll go through all of them as we go through this lesson. But this idea of blessed, it means that, that there are blessings. But, but more than that, it means that you, you can be in good favor with God. You can, you can stand before God and God will be pleased with you. That's what this blessed are the poor in spirit. God is, is pleased with those. God has a good relationship. He looks down on those who have these types of um, spirits about, excuse me, about them. And, he, and he's pleased with them. Uh, but, but I want you to think about this morning. I don't know if you've looked at it this way before or not. But instead of looking at them, looking at them as unrelated items... Let's consider these things as a progression of faith. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful way because in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is, is just beginning his, his ministry. And, and you'll notice, as was read to us earlier, he's been healing and talking and, and going about and impressing people. And large crowds are following him. And I love what it says at the end of verse 1. In verse 1, it talks about he notices the large crowd. He goes up on the mountain. He sits down and what? His disciples came to him. If you want to be a disciple, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus and, and learn the things that, that he thinks are important. And in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he, he delivers the Sermon on the Mount. And he tells anyone and everyone as he's beginning his ministry, Hey, if you want to be my followers, if you want to live the type of life that I'm going to lead, then these are the things that you need to do. And he starts with the Beatitudes. And again, I want you to think about these things, not as just a, uh, a list of, uh, you know, 10 or 12 different things or a number of different things, but, but look at it as, as a progression of faith. And it really sets the stage for his entire sermon when we think about the Sermon on the Mount. Let's walk through some of these, the beginnings of our faith in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Notice what it says there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Remember, that's, that's John the Baptist's message, and that's Jesus' message when he first starts preaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You and I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. We want to be a part of God's kingdom and be with him eternally and, and, and whatever, and all the things that that means, we want to be there. And Jesus starts with the beginnings of our faith. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This word poor here does not just mean that you don't have money in your pocket. It doesn't just mean that you don't have money in the bank. Uh, it, it, is, it is this idea of being destitute. You have no money. You have no power. You have no influence. And ultimately, because of those things and perhaps other things, you have no hope. There is nothing someone who is this type of poor can do to help themselves. They are totally, completely dependent. And we think about this from a spiritual state because that's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about your, your bank account. He's talking about your spiritual life. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This means that we recognize our destitute spiritual state. Things that, that we know, whether the scriptures would tell us these things or not, and it does, but we know that in, in, in my, if I'm going to compare myself to God, I fall woefully short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know from Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin, what we deserve because of our sin is death. What we deserve, what we earn because of our sin is this death. And, and we have to start, that's, that's where all Christian walks should start. And I hopefully where all Christian walks have started. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We, we recognize that we are totally dependent. That in, in my spiritual life, if I want to be able to stand before God one day, I cannot do it myself. And when I try to do it myself, I will only fail. And that goes on. It's, it's not just a, a recognition of that, but it goes on to blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Again, this, this idea of mourning is, is more than sadness. Maybe it's, it, maybe it's a regret. H have you experienced this type of mourning? Mourning is, is a natural process of, of things when, when people pass away. But have you ever had someone in your life pass away before you could say everything you needed to say to them? And, and at the funeral, you have regret because you didn't take the time, make the time, make sure that you said everything you needed to say with them, whether, whether to be reconciled to them or, or show your appreciation for them and, and you regret not taking the time to make sure that you did that. Blessed are those who mourn. Well, what, what are we doing? Again, it's, it's not just about a physical life, it's about our spiritual life. Well, we are mourning, we are regretting, but perhaps even spiritually, we're feeling some guilt because of our spiritual state. We recognize our need for a savior. And he says, they shall be comforted. Romans 6, 23, we, we know that verse. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our sin has separated us from God. Think about this. Our sin, your sin, my sin, put Jesus on the cross. Jesus experienced the mocking and the beating and the scourging and, and all of the things that he experienced. He experienced the pain of the cross, not just for everybody else's sin, but for my sin. And I mourn that. I'm, I'm sorry that it had to be that way. But I'm thankful that because it had to be that way, he was willing to do that. We are guilty and there's nothing that we can do, but God has made 
away. We can mourn our sin and we can hold fast to the hope of the comfort that we have in Christ. Blessed are the meek or the gentle or the lowly, your version might say, any number of those or perhaps even something else. Blessed are the the meek for they shall inherit the earth. This idea of meek or gentle or lowly, it's, it's, a, it's a Greek word, praus, uh, that means kindly or, or carries with it the, the, the connection of, of, of a humbleness. And, but, but even more than that, it's, it's this idea that, that once, maybe kind of like a horse, think about it this way, uh, a horse that was, was once wild but has been tamed. It's kind of like that with our spirit. That we were once wild. We, we lived however we wanted to live. We, we did whatever we wanted to do. We, we lived our life. But now, because we are poor in spirit, because we have mourned, we are no longer in control. But now God is in control of our life. You see, this, this is more than, than, maybe even more than what we think about with, with self-control. This is, this is something beyond our capability of doing This is something that God is able to do. That's why this kind of self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, not just a fruit of human will. And it says that those who uh, are meek or gentle or lowly, they will inherit the earth. Now, there could be a number of things that that means, but I believe Psalm 37, if you want to turn there, Psalm 37 in your pew Bible, that's page 466. Psalm 37, verses 7 through 11, shed some light on what this means uh, by blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37, verses 7 through 11, it says, Be still in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out schemes of wickedness. He says, hey, you stay with the Lord. Don't fret or don't worry or don't be overly concerned with what the wicked are doing. Verse number eight, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing for evildoers will be cut off. But those who hope for the Lord, they, listen, they will inherit the land. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those, but those who hope for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Verse number 10, yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. You will look carefully at his place and he will not be there, but the lowly will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant peace. Noticing in that last verse, it's not just about any physical land necessarily, but they will inherit what? Abundant peace. Blessed are the lowly, blessed are the meek, the gentle, for they shall inherit the land. Ultimately, what's there, there may be other applications, but ultimately we can certainly recognize that in our spiritual state, in our spiritual recognition of humbling ourselves and it not being about us being in control anymore, but about being allowing God to be in control, that those who trust in the Lord will be blessed, perhaps physically, perhaps financially, but certainly and far more importantly, we will be blessed spiritually. Those are the beginnings of our faith, poor in spirit, those who mourn the meek and the gentle. And then we have the progress of faith. Matthew chapter five and verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see, let me suggest to you this morning as you think about a progress of faith and, and you are somewhere on this, this list of, of this, this, this progression of faith. You are somewhere on here. And so think about that, whether you're at the beginning of your faith or the progress of your faith. We, we've heard this verse before because we've heard all these verses before, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Let me suggest to you that if you have not become poor in spirit, if you have not mourned your spiritual state, and if you have not become meek, gentle, and lowly in your spiritual state, you will not hunger and thirst for righteousness. And therefore you will not be satisfied. 
We must first empty ourselves in order to be filled by the Lord. And that's hard, isn't it? Because all of us in our Christian walk, when we first started, we wanted all of God and none of us. But then we had to live the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. And while we wanted to keep our main, maintain our, our spiritual focus and maintain that zeal when we first became Christians, it naturally, if we do not, if we're not careful about it and don't maintain it, it will decrease. But if we want to be filled with the Lord, filled with hunger and, and the thirst for righteousness, uh, then we have to empty ourselves first, making sure that nothing else, else is more important than God. How, how are we filled? Well, Matthew chapter 7, in the same sermon, Jesus says, if you ask, it'll be given to you. If you seek it, you'll find it. If you knock, the door will be open to you. It, it is available to us. The question is, and the question is on, on your progression of faith as we think about this in the Beatitudes, is how much have you emptied yourself? How much room have you made for God in your life? Again, we're not talking about, and, and I, I hope this, this series, but I just hope your life, and I hope our, our encouragement and our challenge to each other, we're not just talking about wearing the name Christian. We're talking about following Jesus. We don't want to just play church, to come to services on Sunday and look good. And make people think that we've got it figured out. I want to follow Jesus. Because he's the way. And if I don't, then I'm on the wrong map. I'm on the wrong ladder. I'm doing the wrong things. And I won't end up where I want to be. So this morning, where are you at? Where are you at on this progression of faith? Where are you at in your not just your relationship, like how do you feel with God? What are you really doing to follow God, to be in the way, to submit to him in your life? Because as we do that, there is fruit from our faith. This, 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 this life change that we're making as we're beginning to not be about us as much and be more about God. And, and I, you don't, I don't, nobody does have it perfectly figured out. But are we making efforts to do more of what God wants us to do, to, to be more of who God wants us to be? It says there in verse number seven, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here we're, we're beginning where it's not so much about us anymore. It starts out with us, and it, it has to start out with you. You have to be poor in spirit. You have to mourn your spiritual state. You have to, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It has to start with you, but eventually that fruit is not about you anymore. It's now about other people. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be called, uh, for they shall be, lost my place completely, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I said that a second ago, why did I forget? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Again, it's circular. We, we began with poor in spirit. We, we recognized our need for mercy, but now we gladly extend that type of mercy to other people. James chapter 2 and verse 13 one of the most powerful and impactful verses in, in, in my life as I've studied it. James chapter 2 and verse 13. James says, For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Almost, almost two separate thoughts there. 
Judgment will be merciless or without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. So when you stand before God one day, what James is teaching here, I believe, is that in your life, if you struggle or you fail to show mercy to other people, you will not be shown mercy in judgment. But then it also says mercy triumphs over judgment. That God's mercy triumphs over what we deserve. Mercy and grace, similar words. I've said this a lot probably. Grace is getting something good that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting the bad thing that you do deserve. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. You deserve death spiritually. I do too. All of us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Remember, remember that guy when, when Jesus is watching them and there's the, there's the, uh, the, the sinner and the, uh, the publican or the tax collector that are praying and the, the, the tax collector says that beautiful prayer and God, thank you that I'm not like these other people and I don't do all these other bad things. And then the, uh, the, the sinner, he, he can't even lift his face to God. He beats his chest and his, his simple prayer is, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful, don't, don't give me what I deserve That's a beautiful prayer. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I need a lot of mercy. Maybe you do too. Verse number eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. God says, I I know not only what you do, but why you do it. I'm able to search your heart. I I know your motives. I know what you're doing and and why you're doing them. And I'm going to, to give you, I'm going to judge you according to your deeds. In Psalm 51 and verse 10, after David has committed his, his worst sin, not his only sin, but his worst sin with uh, adultery and, and murder and covering it up with David and, and Bathsheba and, and her husband Uriah, uh, and he's finally called out on it months later. Just think about that. Months later, he, David, the man after God's own heart, has covered this tremendous sin up for months. The child is born at this point. What does he say in Psalm 51:10? Create in me a clean heart. O God, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Only the pure in heart shall see God. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 describes our baptism as an appeal to God for a clean conscience, for a clean heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. God, God knows not only what you're doing, but why you're doing those things. What are your motives? What needs to be cleaned up? Verse number 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Uh, in, the, in the Jewish culture for millennia now, uh, a, a single word has been used often for, for a greeting. It's simply the word shalom. And you probably have heard that word before and, and, and witnessed perhaps in TV shows, movies, or in person, uh, people greeting each other in that way of the Jewish community. That word simply means peace, but, it, but it's used as a greeting. It's not, they're not saying, hey, how you doing? They're saying peace, peace to you. They're, they're wishing peace upon the person that they're speaking to. But again, it's more than just wishing it. They're, they're trying to help make it happen. I, I want you to, to have peace. What can I do to help you have that type of peace? Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, that's on page 948 in your pew Bible. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Again, a passage certainly about uh, being peacemakers. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Uh, There Paul says, Never paying back evil for evil to anyone, respecting what is good in the sight of all men, if possible. So far as it depends on you, 
be at peace with all men. Hey, if it's up to you, if you've got a choice, if you're the one who's making the call, be at peace. Do what you can to be at peace. Verse number 19, how do we do that? Never taking your own revenge, beloved. Instead, leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God's going to take care of it. Hey, if somebody's doing you wrong, if someone's doing you wrong, be at peace with them. God's going to take care of it. God's going to get it. If they need to be punished, God will handle it better than you will. So far as it depends on you, be at peace. Verse number 20. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I, we've probably talked about this and you've probably moved on past this. But in the past, I, I think sometimes we, we, we read that verse and we thought, yeah, we're going to get them putting burning coals on top of their head. But that's, that's not what it means. Again, culturally, you know, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have gas like we had. So, so if they wanted to be able to cook, if their, if their coals in their, their oven, you know, weren't hot anymore, they would go to their neighbor. Instead of asking for sugar or something like that, they'd ask for some coals. And it, it, a kind thing to do would be to give some of your coals out of your oven that you're going to need to be able to cook your food, give it to your neighbor so that they can be able to cook their own food. Well, in doing this, and listen, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you're just piling heaps of kindness, heaps of kindness upon your enemy. Verse number 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called Sons of God. In, verse, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, And through Christ, God reconciled to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Again, we think about the blood of the cross, and, and I think it may be as David mentioned, that, you know, we, Jesus died for our sins, and, and we're, we're sorry that that happened. We should be sorry that that, that was necessary. But we're thankful for the fact that because it was necessary, God was willing to actually do it. Let's notice lastly this morning from the Beatitudes, the testing of faith in verses 10 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. There it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They're persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Those in the first century, those in in centuries before, and, and those today that are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, harmed for doing what is right. You're insulted. You're lied about just because you're trying to do the right thing. Think about Daniel. Why was Daniel thrown into the lion's den? Because the only thing they could find bad about him was that he prayed to God. And so they came up with a scheme to catch him doing a good thing. And he was persecuted because he did a good thing. Why was Stephen stoned in the book of Acts? Because he was teaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people were unwilling to hear it or to accept it. Why was Jesus crucified on the cross outside of God's plan because God wanted him to die for us so that we could live for him. But, but he, he dies because he's going about healing and forgiving and claiming to be the God that he is. And he's persecuted for the sake of not only his righteousness, but our righteousness. Did you notice something though? Have, have you been paying attention? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is what? 
Theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Do you want to be a part of the kingdom of God? Do you want to be in God's kingdom? Do you want to spend eternity with God? I believe that you do. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it starts with being poor in spirit, being totally dependent on God. And it ends with being willing to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness, being totally dependent on God. Neither one of those things will happen by accident. You will not be poor in spirit accidentally. You will have to determine within yourself and recognize of yourself, I can do nothing to fix my spiritual condition. I desperately need God. You will not suffer for the sake of righteousness, be persecuted for the sake of righteousness by accident. No, the first time, what will happen naturally is the first time that you or I face difficulty in following Christ is we will be tempted to, and some of us have, and some of us will, and we know others who have never come back, they turn away from that. Well, that's not worth that. Sure, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I don't want to go through persecution. I don't want to lose things. I don't want people to lie about me and insult me. No, I'll just go back to the way I was living before when I had friends and everything was fine. Being persecuted for God's sake won't happen by accident. You'll have to determine. What that means is being a part of God's kingdom doesn't happen by accident. We've got to make up our mind that that's what we're going to do. It begins by being fully relying on God and ends with being fully relying on God. It continues by being fully relying on God. The The Beatitudes are not just a a list of good Christian behaviors or attitudes. If you think that, let me suggest to you, you're looking at the wrong map. The right map tells us that the Beatitudes are a challenging progression of faith for every follower of Jesus. This morning, as you think about following Jesus, it's, it's about going to heaven. It's about being with God eternally. It's about having your sins forgiven. But it's about following Jesus every day. It's about being in the way. Jesus is the way, and we as Christians are those who belong to the way. This morning, where are you at on that progression of faith? Are you, are you still, years later after becoming a Christian, are you still poor in spirit? Do you still recognize your great need for God? Or has something happened? Have you changed? And now you've just, you've just kind of lost touch with that understanding that you had when you first became a Christian? Let me encourage you to renew that. To be reminded that you have a desperate need for Jesus. And that's why he came to die for us. So that we could have the hope of eternal life. Uh, this morning and this year, uh, the challenge is for us to follow Jesus all the way. All the way. Where he leads, we'll follow. Uh, your, your church family here, we're, we're lock, walking along that same way with you. Some of us are a little bit further ahead. Some of us are a little further behind. Uh, some of us are crawling on our hands and knees. And some of us are walking strongly. But we're on the way. We're on that narrow way. And we're trying to get to where God is. And where we want to be with him ultimately forever. Uh, I know we all struggle with that sometimes. And again, I, I want to reiterate and remind you that this opportunity that we, is our custom here is in a second. We're going to have a song. Uh, we're going to stand for that song. And if you have a need, if you have a desire, if you have a, uh, something you're struggling with, hey, 
We all do. And this is an opportunity for you to come forward and, and to let us know those things and, and talk to me and we'll pray for you. We'll have one of our shepherds pray for you. Uh, but again, uh, where are you at on the way? Are you on the narrow way or are you on the broad way? Uh, don't, don't leave here being where God doesn't want you to be. Don't leave here looking at the wrong map, heading to the wrong you're not a Christian this morning, but you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God. You're willing to name him and confess him as the Lord of your life, repenting of your sins and submitting to baptism where all of your sins can be washed away. Uh, we are ready to help you with that. If that sounds new to you or different to you or you've never heard anything like that before, I'd love to sit down with you and show you God's word and what it says about those things. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.